Michigan Hockey Cast 6.4, where Alex actually has to talk about the Lions. But which Lions? Detroit? Penn State? Lindenwood? Stay tuned and find out. We have a new friend. Do you know who I'm to who I'm referring? Nope. We have a friend from South Dakota oh, yeah. who has commented on the hockey cast last week about the Augustana guy. Augustana guy, yes. Or Augie, as he says they call it. And apparently it looks like Augustana, but it's Augustana. So What? Well like it's like us instead of A's. It's like when you pronounce the word Augustana. That's how we were already pronouncing it. Is it? Yeah, we were saying Augustana. Oh. Well, then, high fives for us. <laughs> anyway, he he chimed in and wanted to say that just giving us some facts about the team and being surprised that we would talk about him, but I felt like we had to bring this up because I, it completely caught me off guard <laughs> regarding this whole situation. And perhaps one of these years when Michigan is sent to Sioux Falls in a regional, we'll be able to meet up with him and... He can share stories about the lore of eastern South Dakota. Sure. Anything else to add on this? No, not you? really. I'm not in, I don't know a lot about eastern South Dakota. <laughs> Maybe you need to start doing more research. Um, okay. A couple more things to go over quickly before we get into the first game. Uh, so Michigan State has cracked the code for scheduling hockey. They not only two weeks ago did they play on Thursday, Friday. This past week they hosted Canisius on Thursday, Friday, and next week they go to Boston College and play on Thursday, Friday. Gotta give them credit. Right, but like, how is it this hard? Like, this doesn't, I mean, this this just, just seems really simple. And, you know, you and I, when we were doing prep, we're looking up this a week upcoming, and three more Big Ten schools also play I mean, Thursday, Friday. It's not a, I highly doubt that Michigan is scheduling their games on Friday, Saturday, for any particular reason. Other than just like the reason is that's what negligence normally is and they don't care so it's just the same reason why the ncaa tournament is so bad and big 10 plus is bad and blah 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 well it's always just they don't care but other schools tend to and michigan doesn't is that is that what we're coming to well certain people would say we have a grossly incompetent athletic director (laughs) but (laughs) i i think this is I, i mean i don't think you would need an athletic director to make this call, right? Like, this doesn't we seem like also, you have to go... Or we could blame the people who put Stonehill on the schedule. Ooh. Either one. Ooh. All right. What about Lindenwood? They will be relevant later on now, in Lindenwood, this podcast. you can put on the schedule. You're okay with Lindenwood? Yeah. One week of Lindenwood is allowed. <laughs> but... Is that, is, that a, is that what happens when you've been digging through the bylaws all week, <laughs> searching for... Wording on Lindenwood other topics. Is not a good team, but you you need a, you need at least one cupcake weekend, and they're they're a bad team. Okay, Stonehill's not a D one team. Yeah, that's like the problem. See now, if they, I don't know, I, I, I we're getting off track on that. the the la- The last thing that we need to talk about first is um an, an event that's happening on Tuesday evening, where the NHL has finally watched Red Zone on Sunday afternoons and decided we're going to try this. They figured it out. And they're going to play 16 NHL games between, is it like 6 p.m. and 11 or 11.30 or something like that, where 
a yeah. different game starts at every 15 every minutes. Every game starts every 15 minutes, yep. What do you think? Well, part of this is I feel like a response to the years of people complaining on hockey Twitter about how the NHL does their scheduling. You mean how all the games go to period breaks at the same, same time? Same time, yes, which has been complained about for a long time. But I feel like this was a little bit of a dramatic overcorrection, especially because then you have one game tonight right, and one game on Wednesday and then 16 on Tuesday. <laughs> so now you you still can't watch that much hockey because but you're only... <laughs> as a novelty idea, I don't think it's a bad one. I, I think it could be an interesting thing they could pull off potentially. Yeah, the downside, you're correct. The downside is that, well, I should start, let's start the other side. It works really well for football because... Everyone only plays one day a week anyway, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. But in hockey, if you have five to six games a day, it actually works out really well because then you always have plural things to keep track of on a nightly basis. And you know, if you follow enough teams, you're probably going to have a team that's at least relevant to one of them playing pretty much every day. Yeah, they're trying out the hockey red zone idea for... Right. This night on ESPN, and I'm tempering expectations about how <laughs> it will turn out. It's so there are multiple angles with which we can attack this. Is is one like the network? Is it the humans that are proposed to be involved? Well, where are you tempering? I think, first of all, if ESPN makes this product commercial-free, it will be incredible. But it yeah. highly, highly likely will not be because it's ESPN. And because it's the NHL. And that is one of the winners of Red Zone, right? Is you pretty much never have to watch a commercial. Yeah, it is the... Well, I mean, they have like the, you know, the outside border and they, they do their different like Amazon things. But yes. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem likely that will be commercial free given the NHL. Okay. And, and you know... So that's one part. That's one part. What else? The second part. The other part is the personnel with John Bucci-Gross and Kevin Weeks. Yeah. We, we've we discussed Bucci before uh, in personal settings. I had generally been of the belief that I could tolerate him because he was the one college hockey person who existed. Like that, at a major network or just in, in, in the general, world? Yeah. <laughs> just in the world, there's one college hockey person that and it's had, John Bucci-Gross. That had more than, you know, 4,000 Twitter followers. Yeah. Um, but I think for this, well, two things. First of all, Buccagrass's constant tweets about the Blue Jackets and Bruins have... Have they rubbed you the wrong way? They have reached a breaking point for me. <laughs> the, the combination of Ohio and Boston is, like, designed in a lab to make me mad. Um, but secondly, uh, he, he had a tweet, by the way, the other night. I think it was Friday night. Yeah. It was, like, five paragraphs of analysis on the Blue Jackets. Was it remotely correct? Like, shut up. No one has ever cared this much about the Blue Jackets. Stop. You have like 100,000 Twitter followers. We don't want to read this. <laughs> well, at least like it has make a relevance for us. I mean, a, half make, their team played at Michigan. Make a burner like Blue Jackets account and follow the CBJ Prospects guy and like tweet at him. Oh, but yeah. we don't need to see that. I miss him this year because he has no reason to... But secondly, the other problem here, and this is what Kevin Weeks is into, is that like these are two people that are obsessed with making themselves the main character yeah. of anything they're in. Like, right? It's the whole Kevin Weeks thing with like 
The videos of him breaking trades in the shower or whatever. When he like pops into the frame. Like from... it started as funny and then it's it's run its course. Yeah. And now it's just like, dude, get off the screen. Just break the trade and tell us what we need to know, right? Like you never see Adam Schefter do stuff like that. Yeah. And Elliot Friedman doesn't do shit like that, yeah. right? Like because he's the, you know. He's, he takes himself seriously. <laughs> and that's why he's the insider, right? Yeah. Like nobody, you know, it's just, and that's the thing about. Scott Hansen, he he does he's not perfect, but he's a generally very likable, inoffensive person that mostly just shows you the games and, and tells you what you need to know. And seems to get excited about it in the process. Yeah. So you can relate to him while you're getting excited watching the games. Yep. Yeah. And so as I said when I found out who was doing this, it's really just a tragedy they didn't come up with this idea earlier because the perfect person for this was Alex Trebek. <laughs> Absolutely the perfect person. You, have you heard him talk hockey? Yeah, he was a huge hockey fan. Remember when I'm he, not saying he's not a hockey fan. I'm, hurt, I'm Remember asking. when he when he broke the when he did the Tim Stutzla draft pick? No. That was great. Okay. Um but yeah, like that you need like a game show host. Someone that's yeah. just like a know, host is yeah, the key. A host there. And yeah. not like a sixty a fifty five year old man who wants to be fifteen years old and yell like <laughs> NHL video game hockey lingo that he saw off TikTok like during the game. Like that's <laughs> uh okay. The other issue that I have with this is I was looking through all the games and are there any good games? Like are there any games where you're like, "Ooh, I should watch that game?" Like I don't I'm, I'm not talking about like your team playing cuz obviously everyone's team is going to be playing. But like I look through and and there's Carolina Tampa, which is like That's a that's a pretty That's solid kind one. of all right, except that you know, Tampa isn't playing anyone right now. Then there was like Sabres Senators is a fun one. Yeah, okay, but Stars Penguins. The is Stars okay. Penguins is the other one that I thought, okay, these are two teams that could be in the playoffs that have a couple of name players. And then like the Islanders and Avalanche play, and both those teams were playoff teams from last year. So Rangers and Flames is is interesting. I mean, yeah, but I'm not talking about interesting to like. There, there aren't like heavyweight matchups, but there are a lot of. There's a number of vaguely interesting games. But like, you can go up and down the NFL schedule on a weekly basis, and usually find four to five games where you're like, "Oh yeah, I'd, I'd definitely watch that." And it, this one just seemed to have a bunch of either good teams playing bad teams or not good teams playing even worse teams and like it was it was there were just very few that you looked at as a casual observer being like ooh that would be a game to check out like there could be good games there's always good games but the game of the night is really flyers and golden knights the, well the, the juggernaut of the east and the juggernaut of the west yeah. so i i just i, I was just kind of i don't know a little disappointed with the scheduling, especially when it's clear that the NHL has gone out of their way to make this a thing for, you know, five or six hours and to try something that is probably a good idea to do every now and then. But then, you know, you kind of have to have some good games to watch. I mean, like the games that they're showing on ESPN are like Bruins Blackhawks for the second time in like two weeks or something. And like, that's a team that's going to probably make the playoffs and be pretty good. And another team that well, obviously is kind of a bedard. I'm not like downplaying that, but the, they're also not a great hockey team. So yet. the thing, but the thing about the NHL is that it's like baseball in that it's very much just tied. National ratings are tied to market size of the teams. Right. In the NFL, yes, the Cowboys always get a lot of eyeballs, but in general, America loves football to the extent that we will just suddenly decide to 
all want to watch a team that no one would have watched 10 years ago if they get good, right? Like no one ever Jaguar Saints in is 2007 like, no one ever would have wanted to watch, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, right? right? And like and now all of a sudden the Chiefs are the number one watch team. And the same thing happened with the Patriots and the Colts when they had Peyton. In the NFL, people go for the teams that win and have the stars. Right. It doesn't happen in baseball. It doesn't happen in in hockey. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fact. Like, no one watched the Orioles. A bad Every, Blackhawks. Everyone like, wanted to watch. Blackhawks, Bruins will absolutely get more eyeballs than, like, you know, Golden Knights, Minnesota Wild, right? Even if that's, like, a better game or whatever. Like, it's it's so tied to the market size. Stanley Cup Finals yeah. ratings is tied to the market size. We've had good Stanley Cup Finals that get no ratings at all. Because. They're small market teams. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, if if you can just get one... Like if the Blackhawks ever played the Rangers in a final or the Red Wings in a final, you know, you get those big American market teams. Like, that would be just a godsend for, for the NHL. For the NHL ratings. So, are you planning on doing it? Like, are you uh, going to watch along? I'll, I'll flip over to it, but. But you're not that excited? No, I, I mean, I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be watching. Uh, it kind of links up perfectly. I think Leafs Kraken is at six, and then Red Wings. Cap- I think the Red Wings play the Kraken. Oh, right, it's reverse. Leafs Capitals is at six. Red Wings Kraken but is see, at that's, eight fifteen. So, so like, that's like a perfect link. That's up. a perfect so example. I'll flip over in the intermissions, but that's a perfect example. Is like they could have had a nice Canadian matchup. Like you could have gotten Leafs and Montreal. Well, like not that that's a great gonna, game. I mean, but at least it's sort of they're like plugging that. Leafs Caps early because it's like oh, Leafs know. versus Ovechkin. Well, it's Matthews versus Ovechkin. Well, okay. Like the, you know, the best pure goal scorer of one generation against the best pure goal scorer of another generation, that kind of thing. Okay. That's... Even though the Capitals have looked like a carcass. Well, this is this, this is my <laughs> point. Like, okay. Anyway. All right. So that's happening, well, right now, tomorrow night. Probably when you're listening to this, it will be tonight or, or yesterday. yesterday, depending on... Or several weeks ago. <laughs> whenever you decide to get around to this. So, okay. that That's the news and updates that you have from us. Um, now we will transition into the Michigan hockey games, one of which we will talk about slightly more. That is the Friday game. That will be in this segment. Um, this was built up as, you know, as a weird weekend because you know, Michigan had a couple of non-cons in the previous weeks. They have a non-con this upcoming week and then they had this hole in their schedule that I guess they couldn't fill and so they got a Big Ten game thrown in there and they got Ohio State a team that gave them a lot of trouble last year and lost a lot of pieces Michigan did too but retained quite a bit more than Ohio State and so looking at hosting this series you had to say you know this is a you know you want to consider yourself a contender for the Big Ten regular season these are points to be had and Friday night uh, certainly looked pretty good. I, you know, the, the first two parts of this game, or the first two notes of this game were one, Chase Pletsky came back after getting head rocked against UMass, yep. didn't play in the second UMass game, but was back on the ice, which really good for him because when you saw that, you're like, I mean, this could be a Tua situation from a year ago where I don't know when he'll be on any ice, let alone in pads and a helmet again. Yeah, seems like he dodged a, dodged a bullet there. And Tyler Duke came back, yep. one of the many lost Michigan defensemen to give Michigan, you know, four pretty strong defensemen. Um, so having them back was, I think, a big thing. Plus, I'm 
you know, it was going to take a lot, in my opinion, for Duke to miss this series. I'm sure this was the series that he had circled as much as any series getting to play against his old team from the previous year. Uh, the first period I thought was pretty even, if not a little bit towards Ohio State, as they had a couple of power plays. But Michigan does strike first um, after killing one of those power plays. Uh, Dylan Duke comes down the wing and, and curves into the crease area and I it was unclear as to like he got he got the puck on net but it fluttered a little bit and ended up trickling through Turnus's legs I thought that goal was maybe a little soft because when the puck gets there all of a sudden Turnus kind of explodes out and like you can definitely see a a gaping wedge between his legs and the puck kind of gets through you'd you'd think he'd probably you'd want a goalie maybe to shut down a little more and, and take that away but uh Michigan does get that opening goal through Turnus. A nice move by Duke, though. Yeah. Carving his way down to the net, showing some aggression on the puck, all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of scrum, scrummy yeah. and scrambly in front, and that's a very Dylan Duke goal after the previous week. Yeah, he... but but it's not off a rebound or whatever. He took it to the net himself. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, we'll get into that a little bit later, but he's he's you can see more areas of of his game developing, which is kind of something that... You know, we've tied back to Narado in a different couple of ways is, you know, that's his thing is taking guys and developing skills. And and Duke is, you know, getting to the net and being able to pass and see other things on the ice. That's a big thing for him. Yeah. Um, Ohio State answers back right away. Uh, Not a dissimilar goal as there's a scramble and scrum in front again. Um, But this is one where... You know, it's tough to put this for me on Barczewski because it he's he sees the puck and is reaching for it, can't quite get it, and then I think Luca pushes a guy into the crease and then Holt sort of jumps on the guy who falls on top of Barczewski, sort of pinning him, and then the puck just gets poked through. Um, you know, if he was just sort of flailing around and the puck went in, it would be a little bit more on him, but I guess when you have two rather large men on top of you, it's going to be hard to find anything. Well, I think, uh, you know, this was going to be a, an interesting GI situation with the, the player laying on top of the goalie. And we haven't always kind of broken it down in in college. Like, it hasn't been as well established. But in the NHL, the general rule is if you make contact with the goal, it's, it's basically, was the goalie in the crease? Yeah. And did you make forcible contact by your own volition? And if you make contact out of the crease, then it, it can be more of a chance where the goal can stand. Mm-hmm. But if you make contact with the goalie in the crease on your own volition, no matter what that contact is, it pretty much is always going to be a disallowed goal. So in this case, Barczewski's in the crease. Mm-hmm. There is contact, but it's not made by the player himself because he gets pushed in and he gets held down. So to me, it was a, a good decision to keep that uh, the goal uh, upheld. and. As we always say, don't push people into your own goalie and don't pile on top of your own goalie. I mean, that <laughs> seems pretty simple. It seems simple, but it happens a lot. <laughs> like a, a lot of... So you think this goal would have stood in the NHL too? Yeah. Okay. I'm fine with that. I I, I mean, I, the funny part is both of these goals were challenged for goaltender interference and both of them stood. Yeah, neither looked super close to me. But... Yeah, I, I kind of thought they both should be goals and they were and you know I was joking with uh Peter and, and Zook in the box and I was like hey aren't you kind of glad that both challenges were used up really early and now we don't have to sit here and go through these like long challenges at some point 
like during the game. It's just off the board now, and it was kind of we had a bit of a laugh over that. Um, Ohio State got another power play, and and this kind of brings me to the next point I want to talk about. But I kind of thought Steve Holtz had a rough period. Um, he took a bad penalty on the first power play where he sticks a stick out in the offensive zone and trips a guy and goes to the box. He has the incident where he lays on the guy in the crease. He's backpedaling on another instance and just gets spun in a circle leading to a decent chance for Ohio State. And that's just, I mean, we've talked about him before, but, you know, you know, Michigan's going to need stuff from him. But as guys get healthier, you know, Duke's back. Edwards will be back probably in January. You know, is there a chance that Fantilli passes him? Mm, possibly. We need more more weeks to see. Yeah. Okay. Still still the third weekend of the season, a little bit early. You know, Michigan killed that first penalty pretty well. They killed the second one really well. Again, I didn't think that Ohio State got a whole lot in those two early power plays. I think they had one shot on net. That's pretty good for... Yeah, uh, good to see for... Yeah, because that's been the one thing, you know, over the years, obviously, and this year that's sort of this year. oscillated, right, is, you know, the penalty kill has been good and then bad and then better and then bad and <laughs> you're kind of not sure what you're getting but um and then duke had almost makes it two to one right at the end of the period where he fly flies down the wing and gets a shot i thought it hit the post um we were looking on review i couldn't see it live i thought it was the post i don't know if you had an opinion on that but he made a nice nice little move got a shot off and again i mean he was probably michigan's arguably their best attacker going forward in the first period but in the end it's one to one um, with a bit, I thought the rest of the games can be a lot different, but I thought Ohio state kind of troubled Michigan trying to get out of their zone and penned them in a few times and matched them kind of shot for shot, chance for chance in the first period. Yeah. I thought it was a couple of teams feeling each other out and then see where we go from there. So going to the second period, um, Truscott is taken down and Michigan gets their first power play pretty early. Um, not as much happens in this one. Um, so Michigan misses their first chance on the power play. Um, but then you get sort of a, a forever shift that we used to kind of talk about with Maddie Beneers and Kent Johnson back in the day when they would just hold the zone forever. And, and you kind of had that same thing with the Brindley and Rutger line and Brindley finally swoops around behind the net, hits Rutger in the slot and he scores far post on a pretty nice shot, uh, that beats Turnus, uh, I guess to the far side. And Michigan had a two-on lead. You know, they've been able to showcase Rucker quite a bit more from a shooting perspective this season. His shots looked really good, really explosive. He's finding soft spots to get set up and, and releasing one-time bombs really well this season. And obviously, Brindley really makes the play. I mean, you just classic Brindley play, outworks the opposition, recovers a loose puck, and puts it into a dangerous area. And then the finishing for Rucker continues. And Michigan in transition, not an odd man rush, but um, moving up the ice with speed, something that has given Ohio State trouble last year and again this year. Jackson Hallam has a nice little slip pass to Moldenauer, and Moldenauer kind of powers into the slot, pushing off a guy and firing a chance past Turnus under his arm, 3-1. to one. I thought this was a bit soft from Turnus. It kind of, he gets kind of a piece of it underneath his arm. Um you know, it's a decent shot from Moldenauer, and it's a really nice move, and he's got a guy on him, and he kind of kind of pushes him away to, to give himself space to shoot. But um, I thought, you know, this was the second out of three goals I thought Turnus might have been able to have. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a, a shooter beat a goalie who sees it clean 
from you know decent distance. But he also now. doesn't like pick a corner, right? Like it kind of gets through his. It goes under the glove. shadow figure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but good for Moldy. That's his first, I believe, of his NHL or er, NHL. There you go. <laughs> uh, collegiate career at Michigan. Uh, yeah. Good to get him on the board. Michigan gets a, their second power play chance later on in the second period. They're already up three to one, and they run a different sort of set. Like we see a lot of their one three one, and you texted me about it. And then you, when you look back on it, it's pretty easy to see. But they sort of run an overload, and that creates a really really good chance for T.J. Hughes, which is Casey McGrory, and then to Hughes, and he gets a really good chance. It's saved, but then the puck is recovered. Duke gets it on one side and slips it across to Brindley, like right through the crease for an easy tap in for Brindley, making it four to one. Michigan gets a power play goal. But the thing that I like to see here is, you know, we talk about the one three one and they have shooters like last year they had Fantilli and they had Brindley. They have McGroarty this year. They have Nazar. I mean, they have people that, you know, they can tee up. TJ Hughes scored a goal from the dot and that's great. But you also sort of need a second pitch, right? You can't just be a fastball. Yeah, and they're still using a one-three-one base. They're just now using that alternative play where you can slide the net front guy down and then move the backside player down as well to get that backdoor pass that was the signature of the overload power play. So it, they're still to their core. It's it's kind of like just a different coverage, I guess you would say, in football sort of thing to, to just throw out there. But it's a really nice play, and I like that they were able to use it. You can catch the defenders kind of sleeping on the backside yeah. there. And with this goal going in, you're up 4-1. Kind of, you know, felt like the game was over at that point. Yeah, definitely. Ohio I mean, State wasn't. I mean, they, they weren't controlling the game or anything. No, I thought, like we talked about, they did fine in the first period. But then in the second period, Michigan finishes their chances. And I think that's the story because shots were not a blowout in this game to one side or even like even strength Corsi, but this is where you start to see, you know, Ohio State had guys last year that could play and shoot and have a lot of talent. And not that they don't have a couple of guys, but I don't I think that their the level of their play has dropped off and Michigan has guys that can beat you with their shots. And it's not one guy. I mean you're getting different guys. And then you were talking about Dylan Duke. I mean this was a really nice pass, sort of what we we're referring to earlier. Would he would he'd also done it um I believe it was in the Providence series, just hitting a guy with a really nice pass out of the slot. Gets into the slot, dishes to the side, hits a guy, scores a goal. Yeah. And this was not too dissimilar from Duke of just being able to not ram the front of the net, but to get out in front, see, spot a guy across the crease, and flip it to him. Ohio State did get a couple more power plays in the, the second period. Uh, they did not convert on him. I thought Michigan's penalty kill was weakening a little bit. They got a little lucky. Um, Barczewski, I think, killed off one of those really well, making a couple of saves. Um, he had, overall, a really good game. I think maybe his best of the year. Um, just making big saves. He had the one where he goes, ac- gets across the crease yep. from one side to the other, and you can just hear the boom as, as the shot hits his pads. And that's kind of like the thing that, that was the Portillo thing, right? Like he could, he could make those kinds of saves. And we, we've always talked about Barczewski or even West, if he's in, like, that's not going to be their thing. Michigan has to take that away. And they didn't in this situation in that I think it was the third power play for Ohio State. And Barczewski gets across, makes the save. And that's just something that you like to see because that's the one thing where you think, okay, that's where you can get him. And 
not on that situation. He's definitely starting to really settle in, which we saw this weekend. Yep. So then going to the third, Michigan already up four to one. Um, they tack it on, tack on another right away. This is uh, Lapointe of all people behind the net has a very nice skilled play where he gets the puck from behind the net, throws it right out in front, and Josh Ernesty just beats. Turnus with another shot. I don't think he had a chance on that one. Um, just a nice little play. And, and Philip Point, who, you know, we've been up and down on for several years, just making little plays and really carving out a nice role in the bottom six for himself. That was a great play. Feeds Ernesty right in a high danger area and a really nice shot from him. And at this point, it was sort of like we're just crushing them at this point. Yep. But they weren't done scoring as Josh Ernesty gets on the board again as he has a shot that kind of comes from the corner of the house, maybe a little bit outside, and it hits a guy in front. I think it was, I think it hit the Ohio State defenseman because they credited Ernesty and it just tips by him. Um, you know, that's why they say, you know, take your take your shot because it might go in in this situation. These last two were both just when it rains or pours goals. You're up huge in... in the late stages of a game, throwing pucks down net, the goalie's lost his confidence, the defense isn't really playing as hard. Checked it's in. It's just all going in. But who got the last one? Keenan Draper. Keenan Draper. He tied Goal number two. He tied his career high for the year, right? He yep. had one last year, so if he gets one more, he'll set a new career high. Good for him to get one that was on a Casey shot that he tipped in, so Casey ends up getting a couple of points. Tyler Duke has a couple of points. It was a really good game for Michigan to just get every, a lot of people going, I think. Indeed. In, including their goalie who, you know, and that was the other thing is, you know, Michigan pl- had Providence dead in the third period. They controlled the game, and then they kind of just stopped skating in the last few minutes. It got really close and they almost gave it away. They pulled it, they pulled it out, but um, you kind of want to see them close and finish. And on Friday night, they did. They didn't give up anything. They didn't take a lot of dumb penalties down the end or throughout the, the remaining period plus after the game, you know, kind of was over. They just saw it out. And that was, I mean, that's what they're going to need to do. I think. Primack had the good tweet seven for stallions after the game. Which I thought was very funny. Seven for Stallions? Yeah. Elaborate. Well, he scored seven goals. Okay. It was a hashtag, seven for Stallions. Okay. Connor Stallions. Oh, I see. All right. Do you have anything more on this game? No. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. I want to talk to you. The last time we talked, Mr. Smith, you reduced me to tears. I promise you it won't happen again. Do I attract you? Do I repulse you with my queasy smile? Am I too dirty? Am I too flirty? Do I like what you like? I could be wholesome, I could be loathsome, guess I'm a little bit shy. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me without making me try? I try to be like Chris Kelly, mm-hmm. but all the looks were too sad. So I tried a little Freddy. Mm-hmm. I've got an entity in
right, after a very convincing win on Friday night, Michigan was going to play on Saturday night. Of course, this game ran concurrent to the Michigan State football game, as it seems happens almost every Saturday now. So I, you, we, whatever, had it on and kind of paid attention. Big Ten Plus, uh, I guess we can give them kind of their plus back. They actually got the game started on time. No, that's not... We're they, not, they don't get the plus. They don't that. get the. So they're just. They're still BTN minus. You don't get points for giving audio, <laughs> showing up to work, right? Like, <laughs> you don't get to be employee of the month for wearing a shirt. <laughs> Starting guess, the broadcast on time <laughs> is the bare minimum. Hey, they they had they put a little graphic up in the corner that told us how much time was left. So we're we're slowly inching our way towards below average. I mean, that's that's one thing, I guess. You don't get to be saluted as a chef for putting one of those pre-made dinners in the <laughs> oven and figuring out how to turn it on. What if you wear a hat? <laughs> then, then can you? Uh, okay, so Michigan plays Ohio State uh, in a pretty even game. It goes to overtime and then a shootout, and Michigan loses in the shootout. So they end up dropping two points uh so it's a four point weekend um you know i thought they played fine from what i could tell um you know they they give up a power play goal in the first a shot that's a one-timer from the dot and the the rebound comes out front and nobody has the attacker there so it's tapped in you know peter and i were texting about a little bit he said it's tough to put that on barcheski because it's a one-timer and he's just trying to get anything on it you know unfortunately the puck goes into probably the most dangerous spot it can and the real culprit is that hey maybe someone should be checking the guy in front of the net yeah i i think the the one downside you'd say is it was kind of shot right into him. Yeah. And when you look at it, uh, the replay, he's squared to the shooter when the shot is taken. He's not sliding across. Okay. He slides across him plenty of time, and he's in position. To so he has a chance save. to see it. He makes that save, and he sees it all the way. Yeah. And I think if it is a tough save, right, like if it's a, if it's a puck going way wide and he just is kicking his pad out, out to get yeah. peace that's yeah. different this kind of like hit him right in the body and he just kind of just dropped it sort of and that's not been something we've seen a but it's also him. just an unfortunate bounce and yeah. where it drops if it drops to the other side then holtz just clears it so but you ideally want someone not alone in front of the net right on that yeah i mean as we always say in this situation from holtz's perspective you have two things two options there when the puck is coming across you either have to block the shot or tie up the rebound guy. Yeah, that's true. And he goes to block the shot and doesn't block the shot. So, Yep. So it's one nothing, And then, for the most part, not a lot happens. I mean, there are shots and there are chances from both sides. But um, it gets into the third period and it's still 1-0. And then Michigan ends up also tying it on the power play uh, on maybe one of the best passing plays I've seen in quite a while. Um, Casey behind the net to Duke to TJ Hughes out in front over to Brindley. And I mean, it was just like a pinball machine, the puck moving around and Brindley had an open net and filled it to tie the game. That was uh, awesome. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Tic-tac-toe, toe. Tic-tac, double toe, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, the broadcast malfunctions for a period of time, and Michigan scores again. 
So they're up two to one on a power play pretty much right after uh, they they tie the game. So it's two to one. And um, what do you have on this goal? Uh, it's shot from the point, hits Turnus, but squibs loose and just a tap in on the doorstep. So not super unlike the uh, goal for Ohio State, but the difference is it was a point shot through three, four bodies. So it just Turnus didn't really he see. He probably didn't see it, yeah. And um, just had Johnny on the spot for TJ Hughes. So it's two to one, and Michigan is just trying to get the game out, and minutes are ticking away, ticking away, and then it kind of goes sideways as OSU ties it with about five minutes to go. Um, this shot is it seemed a little soft, maybe, from from Barcheski. We haven't said that too much this year, but it looked like he could see this one, and it just kind of got over his pad and didn't get there. Well, this did this deflect... Did they credit the... Uh, who did they credit with the goal? Who had the goal? Yeah. Or the shot? The goal was Ryan Gordon. Ryan Gordon. From... Sam Deckhut and Thomas Weiss. Yeah, so it's credited to Gordon, the guy in front of the net. Okay, so it's tipped. It's t- tipped. Yeah. Well, then that- Deckhut comes down the wing and puts this puck on that. And if yeah, if that beats Barczewski, it's really bad. But right. it appears to deflect off the guy's skate, then off the post and in, which is just another situation where you know there's just too much boxing or you know not enough boxing out in in front, um, which from holds there. Michigan has been a little guilty of this year, and that's kind of twice for Steve Holtz on Saturday night. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'd love to to see. Maybe I'll dig this up during the week, but the actual goals for, goals against on ice numbers mm. uh, right now, because it feels like, at least over the last couple of weeks, that Holtz has been on ice for like 75 to 80% of the goals <laughs> against. <laughs> it, it has seemed like that. Um, so they... It, Nobody scores down the stretch, and it goes, that was all three this weekend, right? Is he on the ice uh, for the one on Friday? I'm trying. Yeah, because he's the one that pushed the guy yeah, on top yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, So he was on so. ice for all three goals scored by Ohio State this weekend. Not great. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> so the game does go to overtime, and Michigan honestly dominates the overtime. They hit the post and create a ton of chances. It looked like they were probably going to win it eventually if it keeps going, but they just can't find a way to beat Turnus and it gets into the shootout. And did you watch one chance in the shootout? You, you, you were sitting kind of closer to the TV and, and announced to the room that you refused to watch anything in the shootout. Did I, you hold true to your word? I hate shootouts. <laughs> Aiden and I were watching the shootout. When I, when I, when they started the shootouts years ago, it was kind of fun for those first four or five years. And then it's really just you, ran its course. You mean in, in college? In the NHL. No, well, they've been doing shootouts for a while. Yeah. Right? So, But like 2006 through 2012. Yeah. That year I was like, yeah, shootouts are awesome. I want to go to a shootout every game. So, this rocks. And then over do, time I've gotten extremely tired of them. Do you mind them in college when there actually is an extra point at play? No, that, that makes them way worse. Okay. So, you, so what would you do then? I would have ties. So we so you change the scoring system back then, or I would do a coin toss. <laughs> you wouldn't do a coin toss. You you would be stuffed in a locker with Ward Manual if you chose that. I mean, a shootout is a coin toss. That's all it is. Well, okay, but it, so, it's at least it's hockey related, right? I mean, as, as people have always brought up, it's like doing a three point so, contest in basketball. To so you okay, but would you like, would you play three on three for ten minutes then? 
Yeah, I've liked that in the NA- the idea I mean, of that it, in the NHL. It would be hard to go three on three for ten minutes and somebody wouldn't score, right? Right. Like it's just going to happen. Well, I also like the the three on three shot clock idea. Oh, like you have to shoot in thirty seconds or something. Yeah, because yeah. eventually all three on threes, you can either be two teams that are playing scared, yeah, and they don't want to do anything, or you can do three on threes that are actually really good. And it basically always just comes down to which team decides to do it first. Yeah, because when one team goes for it. And they and they create a high danger chance. It's just, from that point forward, it's basically continuous frenzy because it's just two on ones or breakaways each direction. It's a domino effect yeah. where yeah. And and once the levy breaks, then it's actually good. So I don't know. Shootouts are just so bad. They so Ohio State wins in round what five or and something. And no one does any cool moves anymore. Well, they've all been done. Yeah, but you could at least try them. You mean like try the same cool moves over and over? Again? Yeah. Yeah. It's but I. Having to watch people just skate down and shoot right into the guy's chest. Like, come on. Well, in, in the NHL, at least, you're going to probably have some guys that are talented at doing that. In college, it's And that's one of the things different. in the NHL, especially, where it just feels like it's kind of like the great fighters have left the game. Like, the yeah. great shootout men. You, you, there was a time when we all knew who the three or five best shootout TJ Oshie. <laughs> yeah, Oshie and Datsuk and Franz Nielsen was a great one. Like there, there were guys that you were like, if they're in a shootout, we got to watch. Yeah. And I don't even know who the best shootout guys are anymore. I don't know if they exist. So I think it's round five where yeah. Ohio State finally ends up scoring. And I don't, Michigan got one goal. I think Casey scored. If but the shootout goes to five rounds, the goalie should be able to tackle the shooter. <laughs> okay. Uh, shots were mostly even throughout the course of this game. And it was like 44, 37. Corsi, not as much. You know, Michigan had an 84 to 58 advantage, so they did have probably the puck more and have more attempts. Um, just, you know, they didn't they didn't finish this game. Yes, and They scored 0-5 on 5 goals. Yeah, and that was the next part, is Ohio State was 1 of 2 on the power play, and Michigan was 2 of 3. So <laughs> most of the goals scored in this game were on a man advantage. Uh, but I thought Barczewski was pretty good all weekend. I mean, we're just getting another data point again and again and again that he's the guy. So four, I would say four points out of this week, this weekend was disappointing. I would have eh. wanted five, maybe six. I mean, the, what ends up happening is you get to the end of the year and you're a few points short, and you look back at where we could have gotten those points, and you're generally not saying on the road at Notre Dame. You're saying, well, what teams are we probably better than that we hosted at home that we played well and just didn't finish the game, and they had two one lead with five minutes to go. I mean, that's you know, it's one goal lead, but. You want to get you want to get points. You got to hold those games one way or another. In my opinion, yeah, probably it's tough. Like, well, it's not handed to you on a platter. Well, I think my frame of mind is just really different. I guess in uh, well, in what context? Because I'm not thinking this is going to reflect poorly on them as they try to qualify for the NCAA tournament. I'm talking about if you're trying to win the Big Ten. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things for me that, again, all my sort of frame of reference comes from the NHL. And so when I watch NHL regular season games, I've, I've always been a big believer in the regular season. It's all about process over results. Because in yeah. the NHL, nothing in the regular season matters whatsoever. Okay. And so when I look at this from an NHL perspective, I say I'm... Quite happy with this weekend. They played well. Yep. They played good process games. The goalie yep. played well. They scored more goals than the opposition. They outshot the opposition. And, you know, they got a, a win and a tie. And in an NHL context, that's a great weekend for me. But, you know, if we're saying that the regular season has meaning and we want to win the regular season title, then sure. Well, that's what I mean is like... Yeah, that's the... Do you want... 
I mean, are you trying to hang banners or is it just all about one banner? I mean, the the problem for me is that the NCAA tournament is so random and it just is one and done that like, yeah, schools like Michigan and Minnesota are going to put a lot on that because they are going to have the most talent. They're going to be the best teams and all that kind of stuff. And so that's how you're going to be measured. But as you go through this year after year after year after year and you don't win because, you know, RPI comes through and beats you repeatedly because of they score off their face or something, then, you know, there are other things that you can take away from it and being a good team and winning regular season titles, winning conference tournaments. There are things like that that, you know, I think it's also hard for me to be down on this weekend when it was their best weekend of the season. From a process standpoint, from you the games we, they played, this was their best weekend of the season. No doubt they, about that. So the they only, played terribly in game one against Providence. Yeah. They had an all-time bad period against <laughs> UMass. Like, there's no yeah. question this was their best weekend. Well, they're improving. 125 minutes of their best hockey of the season so far. All right. And that's good. That's progress. So that's the way I kind of look at it. I like it when you're the upbeat one. That's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Well, I was rather dissatisfied through two weekends well, and this yeah. weekend i thought okay we're moving in the right direction we're seeing the process and i don't think ohio state's a bad team like i don't no. think anyone in the big 10 is a bad team yeah so, that's probably true yep all right so four points next week they host lindenwood we'll get to them a little bit more later if you let me uh so now we'll look around what else happened in college hockey augustana our buddies i'm bringing them up again much to your chagrin um, they, they had a bye week. They didn't play. Right. So you don't have to talk about them. The Norsemen are off the hook. <laughs> Next up, we have BU and Notre Dame. Um, four to one Notre Dame on Friday. What happened? Has the poll come out today? Uh, Let me take a look. Which poll? The USCHO poll. That I could not tell you. Here they, we go. See, they're down to nine. Come on. BU. Yeah. If the voters had the courage... BU would be unranked. <laughs> well, they lost to New Hampshire. And What's then they the rationale lost... for ranking them? They have Macklin Celebrini. Yeah. I don't on. know. They have Lane Hudson. They have some guys. Let's let's review their resume real quickly. All right. BU overtime win over Bentley. <laughs> Four to six loss to New Hampshire. Eight to two loss to the USNTDP. And then a split with Notre Dame. Wait, that's it? Yeah. They only play one game against Bentley? Oh, so they have an overtime win and then a blowout win against Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. And then two losses and, and plus and an the, exhibition. And the exhibition lost. Yeah. Wow. There's, well, There's no reason to rank them. When they play well, they can be back in the rankings. But right now... See, this is why I don't pay attention to polls. No, I don't either. But this is just furthering my anti-poll agenda. <laughs> okay. Anti-USHO. I mean, what happened in the Friday game? Did you did you read up on any of that or see any of it? That seems... I That was the last thing I... I mean, well, first of all, let's get everything straight. Watch, Seeing that Notre Dame scored four goals probably was more jarring than seeing them beat BU. Is that not correct? Uh, arguably, yes. <laughs> but then on Saturday, it did flip back, right? I yeah. mean, we're following kind of the game a little bit and it's what five to one and still with time still remaining in the first period Notre Dame and it ends up eight to two so you know that makes a little more sense yeah Ryan Bischel 17 of 22 in the first period and he was done then Jack Williams 25 of 28 the rest of the way yeah they gave up 50 shots well uh, I'm guessing that 
they got a bit of a talking to after the first game. So uh, nice weekend for Notre Dame. I mean, that's a that's a nice win for them. That's apparently there was a a fight in the game. Yeah, like an actual. Yeah, Ryan Hallowell got five for fighting with a ten minute disqualification. Wow. And Dylan Peterson got a five in a game misconduct for grabbing face mask. Oh well, that's probably what led to the fight. <laughs> Our old friend Providence played Denver and won four to three. Yeah, if there's reason for optimism right now, it's that the teams that Michigan played the first two weekends are actually looking pretty solid. Providence had a pretty nice weekend. They beat Denver. They beat. RPI. RPI backed up that win, yep, 4-2. 4-1 to and one on the season with their only loss to Michigan. Nice to see. And then UMass goes to Mankato and beats the Screaming Eagles twice, 6-3 to three and 1-0. to zero. Two very different types of games, and both of them go the way of the Minutemen. Yeah, Minnesota State probably isn't particularly great, but Minnesota State the previous weekend pounded St. Cloud. Right. So, well, what does that tell you? <laughs> we can get to that next. Transitive property tells us that... UMass is better than St. Cloud. And St. So Cloud... We have almost certainly played our hardest non-conference opponents to this point. St. Cloud beat Alaska 4-1 to one and then lost to Alaska 5-2. to two. Hey, good for the hockey bears. The fighter pilot bear They've, man. Look at their schedule. They've Alaska's... They've real team so far. Denver, Tech, and St. Cloud. Well, don't they have to? Yeah. I mean, well, like... You want to hear what the next... I hope it's like Stonehill. Ten games are. Long Island. Anchorage, twice. Stonehill, twice. (laughs) NMU, twice. Anchorage, twice. Augustana, twice. (laughs) Well, I guess you got to pack those games in when you get So now this is a chance for the Hockey Bears to really pile up the wins. So that's an interesting series, then, that Michigan's going to have in a month when they go to St. Cloud. Is like that was looking to be kind of a, you know, a final or frozen four preview esque and St. So Cloud is that. kind of fading. Michigan hasn't won a ton of games yet. So St. Cloud um, is two and four on the season. Yeah. Not, uh, not good. Not good. Um Lindenwood, who is our next opponent, ties four four at St. Thomas and then lost three to one to St. Thomas. Hey, you gotta give St. Thomas some credit. They are they're looking pretty frisky this season. They are two three and one. They have wins over St. Cloud and Lindenwood. They are probably not one of the three worst teams in well, D1. They like it, almost beat yeah, Minnesota. They took Minnesota in overtime. Yeah, they're they're looking like a team that so it, could win a you know game or two in the CCHA tournament. But these teams are sort of in the same conversation, Lindenwood and St. Thomas. And so is this good from Lindenwood that they get a tie out of this weekend, or should they have won one of these games? I have no way of knowing, really. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and I know you're really excited about our next opponent. It's Stonehill. They lost to Bentley 2-0, which they only gave up two goals. That's a positive. And then the next game, they lost 4-1. to So what does that mean? They scored a goal. So one game, they don't get pounded. They only give up two. And the next game, they score a goal. You've got to be very encouraged from this showing of Stonehill. Shots, shots in the first game were 45-19. to In favor of Bentley? Indeed. <laughs> And in the, in second the other game? game, 38 to 18. Well, that's not close. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad when you get bent lead. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else with that game. They are now, let's see what their goal differential is now. Minus 22 through five games. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's going to be fun. 
Uh, Michigan State, on their Thursday-Friday schedule, I'm going to bring it up again, beat Canisius 6-3 and then 4-3. In the 6-3 game, it was 4-3 in the third. And then it was close again on Friday, obviously 4-3. And I believe the second game on Friday contained four shorthanded goals out of seven. Yeah... MSU has not really played anyone good so far, and they haven't looked great to they, this point. Well, they have some talent, but... They've gotten out to leads, and then the games all get close. Like, even their win over Air Force, I mean, they, they, lo- they lose to Air Force. And then their second game, they're, they're kind of up, and it gets close. It's happened to Canisius, against Canisius. Yeah, but, like, you look at... Again, I don't know what the underlying numbers are, but... They're giving up a lot of shots yeah. to to these teams. That well, are they're not... pretty young defensively, aren't they? Right. And they have a freshman so goaltender. They've, they've given up two goals, two goals, six goals, three goals, three goals, three goals this season. To not the best. Lake State, Canisius, and Air Force? Yikes. Yikes. And again, I was looking at this the other day. I was like, well, Augustine obviously was a Red Wings draft pick. Like, how's he doing or whatever? And you look at his numbers, you're like, oh. 9-12 save percentage, okay. which shows you the amount of shots that are being given up. Yeah. And so they're through six games, they're at 231 shots for and 197 against. And, and the competition so obviously isn't... they're out shooting the competition, but not by a lot and against teams that are not good. And here's the thing. They're getting a ton of shots. Obviously, 231 in six games is a ton. Yeah. But 197 against in six games is also a lot. That's like 33 a game. It's like Michigan a few years ago where they were like giving up tons of goals, but scoring just a little bit more. Yeah, so definitely something to keep an eye on there. And yeah, as you mentioned, you look at their defensemen right now, they are playing quite a few young defensemen, so that's something to... Well, and they go to BC this week, which will be interesting. That will be a fascinating series. I think so. let's just say if they are giving up that many shots and giving up three goals a game to Canisius, uh (laughs) uh-oh, because BC has some outrageously talented offensive players, and... I think they're three and one to start the season. BC is, and I think they've played some good teams too. So that's going to be a stiff test, and we're going to learn quite a bit uh, about MSU. Well, if you want something to follow on and Thursday they, they and play, Friday, they play Denver and QPAC. Yeah, also Long Island RPI, but two two teams that are actually real. Uh, Penn State beat American International three to two, and then uh, they lost to American six to four. Uh, it, this is like the schedule that you always give them a hard time about, but they have to kind of ace it or else it doesn't work. And this was, I think their, this was their first home series, right? Cause they were on the road, the first two series, if I remember correctly, and they lose the Saturday game, but they give up six goals. So here's the problem. <laughs> they are kind of anti MSU at the moment. They are giving up a, a, a too many goals to pretty bad teams but not because they're giving up many shots. Through five games, they've allowed 89 shots. Wow. Or sorry, no, they've allowed 102 shots, so about 20. Okay. Problem is, they've made 89 saves on those 102 shots. Okay. So Do the math. Liam Soulier, 882 he, save percentage, <laughs> and Noah Granin, 875. So who's playing in these games, or are they splitting them? Uh, Soulier's played five of the six. Or okay. Or f- five of the... So they've Silier has started every game, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe he came in in relief in one of the games. I, okay. No, he got yanked. So yeah, 
Granin played in relief. He he made seven saves on eight shots, and Soulier's played all the others. So really, the problem is Soulier's been real bad. Well, I mean, when you're getting owned by the shooters from Long Island, <laughs> it's a bad sign. <laughs> An American, apparently. Yeah. All right, Wisconsin beat Tech four to two, five to two. Um, seems Tech, reasonable. Tech's probably pretty decent. Have so. you have you talked to your nemesis lately? Is he is he mad? Um, Husky Ken. Uh, <laughs> Husky Ken. Now, is that like because he is a larger fella, or is that because he roots for Michigan Tech? <laughs> uh, Wisconsin outshot Tech thirty nine nineteen in the second game, which okay. is a, a pretty good indicator for them. Yeah. And the first game Tech did out- outshoot Wisconsin, but as a whole, Wisconsin seemed to have outplayed them. And in the Friday game, Tech's two goals were both on the power play. So they did a, a really nice job limiting offense at, at five on five. And so far this season, you have the two gimme wins against Augustana. OT went over Bemidji. That's iffy. But then two nothing lost to Nodak. That's not terrible. Terrible. And shots were even in that game. And then a, a solid series where they outplayed and, and beat Tech in Houghton. That's a nice sign. Yep. But now comes the big test for them against Minnesota this weekend. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean,. That would be nice if that were Thursday, Friday, because I would definitely be watching the Thursday game. Um, it is Thursday, Friday. Is it? That's what it says on the schedule. For, we know that college hockey oh, yeah, might that, be tricky. That's us, the so. thing about college hockey news. They say that Michigan is playing Lindenwood, yet when we look at, on Thursday, Friday, yet when we look up Michigan they, and they Lindenwood They think we're playing website. Thursday, Friday. And, or, yeah. But I don't think we are. It's... Unclear we'll, we'll at this just point. We'll show up to Yost all three days. I, yeah, right. And if, the they, if no one's there, you probably <laughs> should just go home. So, uh, all right. And then Minnesota probably plays the best series of the weekend. They play North Dakota, and they shut them out 4-0, and then they lose 2-1. to um, Probably fair. Both those teams pretty good. Minnesota, I think, is, well, they're going to be number one now if they weren't before, I would, I would guess, right? And then uh, North Dakota is still also a top 10 team, I believe. They are number one in the fake poll this week. <laughs> Denver two, no BC three, Nodak four, QPAC five, Michigan six, Providence seven, Providence and MSU eight. So, yeah, I'm really intrigued by this uh, Minnesota series against Wisconsin. Where I is mean, that? They played really good defense uh, in that series. Didn't allow a lot of goals. However, it should be noted, eleven goals in four games for Nodak. So they are really struggling to score out of the gate. So hmm. maybe keep that in mind. The series is in uh, Minneapolis. Okay. So I assume we're rooting for the Badgers, Ken. <laughs> that is that is correct. Keaton Pearson has Ooh. one assist. Hey, all right. And five shots through three games so far. Okay, now it is time for your least favorite part of the podcast where we talk about Lindenwood as long as you don't like put your headset down. Um, I dug up a few numbers. They are 51st in Corsi, so I expect Michigan will probably have the puck a bit based on You'd think so. last year's games, too. Um, do you want to guess what their power play percentage is? No. It's six. That seems low, which hopefully we're not going to get a big reversion to the mean weekend. Um, but they their power play so far has been really bad. Their penalty kill, on the other hand, has been pretty good, 87%, which... Yeah, they've played pretty good defense this season in terms of preventing goals. Yep. Um, they do have some guys that are scoring. There's four guys o- scoring over 0.75 points per game. Um, I don't have anyone drafted, probably to no one's surprise. And they're getting 
I think, pretty decent goaltending. 291 GAA and a point nine two seven save percentage. Yeah, for Trent Burnham. They've allowed a couple empty netters, but he's uh, with a 927. Very nice to see. Yeah. Their scoring seems to be con- uh, concentrated across a couple guys because they've only scored 14 goals in six games. So they're not really an offensive powerhouse, but they've just got a few guys who do most of the heavy lifting. Yeah, Michigan's going to outplay them in terms of a chance generation sense, but you look at their schedule, and Lindenwood has been able to hang in there with teams because they're keeping pucks out of their net decently well. Well, and, and, For and example, they, they went to overtime with Ohio State, and it was because it was 2-2. Yeah. And, so that that's the formula. And they tie, but, they, but they've tied Ohio State, right? And they have a win, and they got another, I think they got a win at Air Force. They've been to overtime in three of six games this season. So, so they're playing teams tough. It feels like the path for Lindenwood in this game is score early and then try to do the old Michigan State six goalies. <laughs> yeah. But it, for whatever reason, they've been doing it decently well this season. So so rumor has it the games are probably going to be Friday and Saturday. Both games on BTN Plus. I believe both games at 7 p.m. Um, you know, Michigan... Football is finally on a bye week, so you don't have that conflict there. Games will be at Yoast. Uh, you don't mind this series? No. You, you get can, one against I Lindenwood. think it would have been better to do it at the start of the year. But, yeah, you need to have at least one cupcake series. And Lindenwood, even though they are cupcake, they're a team that if you mess around, you could lose. I mean, they need to get two wins. Yeah, yeah. This is But, not again, my point is that they're an actual team. Yeah, unlike... Someone else that'll come to you yeah, later. They, they own skates. <laughs> they own skates. Hockeycast 6.4 for Alex Drain and David Nasternak. Next week we will be discussing Culver's and everyone's favorite Jim Brandstatter impersonator. 